Hi, my name is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to Behind the Daw, the podcast that was created to help you become the artist that you've always wanted to be. We interview artists and music industry experts on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic level to get inside their heads, gather the best information, and then bring it back to you. By the way, this is a companion podcast to our new YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite artists to dissect their songs in real time. If you have any artists you would like to see come on the show, or if you have any feedback in general, you can contact me at Wyatt at musicandstuffllc.com. Well, I just want to welcome everyone back to Behind the Daw this time. We have two guests. One of them is a previous interviewee. I believe that's a term. And we got a new one today. So today we have Clockvice and we have Borso. This is awesome. We got the sound designy brothers in here. So this is, I'm, I'm stoked for this, man. How you two doing today? Super sound design brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Well, I'm okay. You do? <laughs> you are, are you still ill? Yeah, pretty much. My throat's been oh, smashed for about a week now. I know something that'll make you feel better. If you can, Lucas, can you say, I want to welcome everyone to Behind the Daw, but in Swedish? Jag vill bara välkomna alla till Behind the Daw. It's not even real words, man. That just sounds like English, but reverse. <laughs> I've never heard you speak in Swedish before, I think. Yeah, you've heard me talk to my girlfriend a few times. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. Can you understand Swedish? I mean, it, I just kind of feel like people are just jabbering at each other and not really saying anything. Because I can't understand Finnish for the life of me. I reckon it's sort of the same thing as that. Sounds like random noises to me. I reckon that's what Swedish does as well. Automatically have to love IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> it's pronounced IKEA. It's IKEA. No, it's IKEA. <laughs> it's IKEA. This is gonna be the best interview ever. You two are at least you know if you're if you're a music producer, you know who you two are. You said it the best, Vorso. You're, you're the super sound design brothers. You guys come up with the weirdest, most intriguing ear candy I've ever heard in my life. You guys, I mean, from my understanding, you guys have been friends for years, right? Uh two years. Probably I think. two years. Oh, yeah. Okay. How did you two meet? Upscale. Uh, upscale. For those who don't know what upscale is, can you give us a little bit of background information? It's a label started by Nolan Frequent pushing that kind of neuro hop sort of sounds in the early days and now it's branched out into just basically the music that we make as a bunch of friends I'd say. Yeah pretty much it's very like sound design focused very off the grid sort of things. So you mentioned Frequent and you two are in there I mean who else is in the, the upscale crew? Oh there's Hudson Lee, Fluke Luke, Alan Moore, She, Physicist, Roger Wilco, Copycat, Bulls Noise, Dex, Hajimari, Canopy, Pensive, Zane Schaffer. The label's been going four or five years now and it started out with like old and evoke and frequent between you two i mean you guys probably talk to each other more connect with each other more than the other people on the upscale oh yeah, yeah definitely on yeah. and off talk to each other every day since we met probably <laughs> so with that then why what was the connection between you two i was working on a track or i found some old whips in a folder of mine and i posted it in the upscale chat and was like hey somebody want to collab on this yeah and that was the first collab that we started that, that we um, still haven't released it's called wonder <laughs> <laughs> sparked a great friendship. We like right from the start, we were doing different stuff together than we were mm. doing on our solo projects. We were doing exactly. like quite EDM-y stuff and it was just all really fun. And particularly for me, because like when we met, I was a lot worse a producer than you were <laughs> at the time. So well, we've also got to the point, which is good, when we're working on collabs, we just like say what we think. You, you know, when you're working on something with someone and you don't really want to like hurt their feelings. I want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever met each other in person? No, not yet. If you guys have never met each other, you honestly don't know how tall each other is, right? I'm, so I'm the taller one. You're the Definitely. Taller. No question. Oh, you know that. I'm, I'm standing up right now. No, I'm not. 
<laughs> okay, I, I do. Need, I need to know. All right, since we're talking about this, how tall are you, Tom? I think five foot nine, five foot ten, something like that. You're about my wife's height. This is good. <laughs> Lucas, how tall are you? What's oh, that in inches? It's no feet. Six foot one and a half inch, I think. Dude, we're the same height, man. Wait. <laughs> so, like, if you and Borso stood next to each other, it would look like me and my wife. <laughs> You know, like, okay, so this just came to my mind. Americans, Swedish, we're cool. But Americans and Brits, like, our ancestors hated each other. So is this weird that we're that we're doing this? I, d I don't know, really. I, I know, like, so many Americans, and I've never, I never known any, any problem with that. The other thing is that Lucas is from the UK now, apparently, according to his EDM article. So apparently... Well, I mean, I am a third British, to be fair. How do you, how do you become a third British? He had three parents. <laughs> No, but I mean, like, my dad's from England, my mum's Danish, and I'm born in Sweden, so... Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Dad one was British. <laughs> I'm going to need therapy after that. So your dad is British and your mom is what? Danish. Danish. What language does Danish people speak? Danish. Danish. What? <laughs> That's a real Yeah, it's, it's literally like 90% vowels. Here's a question for both of you. Why isn't music your main financial outlet right now? For me, it's just that I, I haven't been able to make enough money over it because I'm based in Sweden. And there's not a scene at all for me to do gigs and stuff. But I've been lucky enough to be picked up by Myth Lab Agency now. So I'm probably going to start doing some gigs around Europe. Do you feel it's the same with you, Vorso? I really just do it for fun. And I, I don't know if I'd ever do it for money or anything like that. Maybe someday I'll get into playing some shows or something, but really it's, it's just fun. Like the reason that I'm doing it, that I want to earn money from it, is because I want to have more time to just do music. No, I'm not doing music to like make loads of money because then I wouldn't be doing the music that I'm making, let's be honest. But it's just so that I can sustain myself on music so I can have more time for music. That is a beautiful way of putting it. No, I went to Icon Collective and I've spoken Spoken with, spoke, I have spoke with, I have spoken with. Spoken. I have, thank you, the Swedish guys tell me how to speak my own language. This is great. <laughs> I mean, I'm a third British, so. <laughs> I don't speak. I don't speak with. Uh, done did a speak. Is that how they talk where you're from? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> I don't speak with the guy. <laughs> Anyway, I've spoken with a multitude of producers and people within the music industry, and they get caught up on the concept that you guys are talking about, which is I want to make money. So why don't I do music when it really should be the other way around? I want to make music. Maybe I can make money off of it just to sustain myself so I can keep making music. That's exactly the point. Yeah. Lucas, we kind of talked about this before, and I'd love to know if it's still something that you struggle with, but I want to know it on, on your part as well. Oh, he's gone. He's leaving. He's bored. I'm, I'm just plugging my phone in. I'm still here. Yeah, I'll, I want to know your opinion too, Tom. Do you feel any pressure as far as like money wise to, to how you produce things? You know what I mean? Like, do you not produce a certain thing or, or produce a certain way because you're like, ah, maybe some people won't like this and maybe I won't potentially make money in the future. I mean, does that happen? Yeah, it's sort of been the other way around. I've been more concerned about my fan base seeing as I've made sort of avant-garde music. And now lately, especially with uh, the music that I'm making with uh, Warsaw, it's sort of getting very like EDM-y, uh, not to the point where it's like very formulaic and sort of predictable but it's very like the general sonic it's, characteristics of it yeah. so it's like i've been making more and more commercial music now lately which i didn't really dare to do how do you feel about now that you're making that type of music 
I trust myself enough to like know that I will include lots of weird stuff as well. Yeah, sort of outside the box. And like it's the way that we implement these EDM things in our music is still a bit, yeah, sort of off the grid, a bit avant-garde still. It's like, a bit tongue-in-cheek really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. There's there's some kind of irony to, to some of it. And there's like an element of irony to some of the things we put in, like the occasional like Pride of Snare and things like that. And yeah. it's, it's genuine. Yeah, and like a little big room house drop. Well, Tom, I mean, do you, do you feel the same way as Lucas here? Do you feel like, do you do you struggle with what does your fan base think or what can I do to make money or anything like that? I don't ever think about that when I'm making stuff at all. When, I, when I'm actually going to release something, I do sometimes have like thoughts like, do I really want, want this out under my name? Particularly, I thought that was Spectre EP. That was quite a branch out from what I normally do. During the times that I was making that, I was literally just having fun putting some tunes together. And when I actually had it all together in front of me, as an EP, I was looking at it thinking, will anyone like this? And I ended, I ended up putting it out. I always thought I would, but I wasn't really sure what was going to happen, particularly with stuff like Mass, which was like such a weird one. I was convinced everyone was going to hate it. And uh, there was a certain part of me that wanted to put it out. It was actually really affirming for me putting that EP out because it was something that I did pretty much all myself. And it was a solo release and it went out and did well. It did quite well monetarily as well, which I'm very thankful for. And <laughs> I wasn't expecting from a Bandcamp solo release. What I've come to notice as I've talked with people and interviewed people and as I've studied, did case studies with certain artists and stuff like that, is that like the artists that do what you guys are doing, right? Which is that stay true to who they are. They make what they want to make. Yeah, maybe, you know, you you included some EDM style things in there, but I would argue that you're still staying true to who you are. You're still being you. Maybe you're just taking some of the things that you like from EDM, bringing them over and, and translating it into your own language, quote unquote. I've noticed that you guys, when you stay true to who you are, what you want to make, what you want to do, I've seen that like people start coming out who are like you and get attracted to your music more because you stayed true to yourself. I think that's the best formula formula because people get afraid. They're like, man, I want XYZ person to like my music, even though XYZ person isn't like me. And that's not a good thing because then you're shooting in the dark trying to guess what they like. Anyways, that was just a thought that came to my mind. You know, I, I feel like the more you stay true to you guys yourselves, the more success that you'll see. Because again, like we talked about last time, Lucas, we're not here to please everyone. If you try to please everyone, you're not going to please anyone. So I mean, like Alan Moore is a good example of that. Alan Moore is so weird. And I love that guy. But keep going. He has just done his thing. Yeah, exactly. So long that everyone likes it in the end. Yeah, like guys like kill the noise even. But he's never not done his own style, which is nice. To give you guys an example really quick. I, we talked about this last time, Lucas, but I actually found an example to tell you about like a case study to tell you about this, how like you could make anything in the world and I promise that there is an audience for you. So so I now work, you know, as a day job. Like I have a day job too. I work as a social media marketer. I do a lot of click funnel stuff and a lot of niche marketing to market products to through social media. I did this case study. Do you guys know what a chicken coop is? No. <laughs> okay. I, so I did keep chickens once. <laughs> <laughs> a chicken coop is basically a place where you put your chickens so they can't run away. It's like it's like a stable or like a like a little fence or whatever you want to call it, right? Again, I grew up in the country, so they were everywhere. This guy sells videos about how to make certain chicken coops. He doesn't even sell the chicken coops. He just makes videos and then sells those videos of how to make the chicken coops. He makes 15 grand a month on that wow. <laughs> just from social media marketing because of the internet because of social media marketing well just marketing in general nowadays
nowadays, you can have the weirdest niche ever and make a very, very, very good living. Another one is there's this other guy and he makes like, I think like 20 grand a month. He sells t-shirts to elderly women. So grandmothers in America, that's it. And he makes 20 grand a month. If you guys come along, not just you, but anyone, if they come along like, oh, I just make such weird music. My first thing is I want to show them Alan Moore because his music is so like it's 10 minutes long. It's, it's very orchestral, bassy, and there's not, you know what I mean? It's very weird, but it's awesome. I promise you, I swear on my life, if you want me to bring up more case studies, by all means, let me know. If, if these guys can make 15 grand a month, 20 grand a month doing like these really weird things, I promise you, you guys can, you can make some money. That's kind of like oversimplifying it because it does take time and strategy and, and totally switching gears. Where did the name Vorso come from? <laughs> I wanted to change alias and I asked some people for some ideas and Canopy Tim searched a Latin dictionary for the word twist and it came out with Vorso. That was my name. I don't really particularly care about the, oh. the alias side of it at all, so it just stuck. The Latin word for twist is Vorso? It's not quite translated right. It's more like change of direction, almost like a plot twist or something. It's just something something changing or something rotating. So is that why your actual name Vorso, like the actual logo that you have, kind of looks like it's twisting down? Yeah, exactly. That was a piece of really good design by uh, False Noise Evan. It actually says the word Vorso, which it takes a lot of people a very long time to, to get. I got your, your logo. This is for the, the Spectre people up in front of me, but most of your most of your artwork is very similar to this, right? It has the, the Vorso thing, but you just change what is inside of Vorso. This is really, really cool. It's very distinct and people will be able to recognize this. The only thing that I have to say about this is anytime you put something out, I would include the name very legible and easy to, to read Vorso, maybe in the bottom, in the corner, somewhere around there. The reason why, and especially this, this really applies, you know, if you're ever going to do a festival or a show or anything, the reason why is because if someone looks at your name, you don't want them to burn brain calories to try and figure out what that says. If this is just purely acting as like a logo, this is fantastic. But you know, if, if you're in the lineup and they just show your logo, people have no idea what that's going to say. And if they have to try to burn the brain calories, they'll leave. That's the only thing I have to say. Use it as a logo, but anytime you want people to learn who you are, there's a festival here in Utah. It's called a DOS Energy. And I was going through the um, people who were coming and I was looking through and some of them just had this, just had their logos. I couldn't look them up because I didn't know what their name was. That's the only thing. Use it as a logo, but also have some type of typography. You want people when they look at your name to go, I want to go look them up on Spotify. Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. You should say that's like underground death metal bands because their logos are ridiculous. It's just like someone vomited on the screen. And it's like, oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay, I, I need an example, Lucas. Who, who's, whose logo can I look up right now? Well, we don't know because we don't know their names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the point. I'm just going to go intelligible death metal logos. This is where you find out that that's an actual band. Unintelligible yeah. death metal logos. <laughs> yeah, why? Just go on Google. Just search for intelligible death metal logos you'll see what I mean. Okay. Let's see if I know how to spell intelligible. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, like there are some ones like Job for a Cowboy is very easy to see. I don't know if you're getting the same results as me, but... That says Job for Cowboy? I can kind of see the boy. Oh my gosh. I am burning so many brain calories trying to figure out. This one is just, it, this one looks like my daughter drew it. This is just fun. This is oh, actually gosh. hurting my eyes. <laughs> oh my... <laughs> it's like spot on as well. <laughs> For those who can't see, see what it is, is it's like a computer chair or something that has the leather back and there's just a bunch of cracks in it. And it looks exactly... <laughs> 
exactly like what we're looking at with these logos. This is fantastic. <laughs> Who sent that? Who found that? Oh, that was Who me. Who did this? <laughs> that was gorgeous. Okay, we got to move on. This is too good, though. So moral of the story, you can have a logo be whatever you want the logo to be. Just make sure that you have typography that actually looks intel was intelligible. No, intelligible. Intelligible. That sounds so funny. Holy cow. Borso, do you have a girlfriend? Not at the moment. <laughs> Why was that so funny, Lucas? No girlfriend at the moment. Okay, but Lucas, you still have your girlfriend, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing tragic has happened? <laughs> Not that I know of, no. Not yet. <laughs> so what are you going to uni for, Borso? Computer science. That sounds so boring, but tell me. Like, is it is it fun? <laughs> trying to think of ways in which I can make it sound interesting. I enjoy it. So how is that going to incorporate with your music dream? I don't know if it, if it ever will, particularly. I'm Again, I might just keep music as a hobby really forever. I, I'll, I'll still probably start playing shows or something, but I don't think it will ever be like my main source of income because I don't really like doing it all the time. I enjoy having something that takes me away from it because when I come back to it, and work in small segments it's i find it to be better if i have like weeks and weeks free just to work on music i don't get anything done really because it just doesn't have that added element of time pressure so for me my balance i think is is not doing it full time really notable to talk about because i hate when i hear people like don't get me wrong i love do you guys know who gary vanderchuk is mm, i've heard the name i don't think so he's very like into get your life together wake up early work hard learn instagram because it can change your life and so there's a, there's a couple of other people like that that are saying like, hey, in order for you to succeed in music to be good or to have value in music or whatever, you have to wake up at five o'clock, you have to produce for 14 hours. And then after that, you have to go to the gym for two hours, come back and produce for another couple hours and then get used to sleeping for three hours. Like absolutely ridiculous. And so there are some people who are like that, right? So like I, I can produce all day. I can produce for 16 hours, the, the high five. And I, and I love it. It's, it's fun, but I'm not like that all the time. And, and you're not like that either. You, like you said, if you had all the time in the world to produce music, you wouldn't do it. That's not you. And that's okay. Dude, not one shoe fits all, right? There are sandals. There are boots. Where do you fall in that balance, Lucas? It's very fickle for me because I can have like a week where I'm like constantly inspired and just work days on end, hours on end. Or I could just have a week where I'm not like able to make a single bass or anything. I can't do anything just like except play video games. So you brought up a good point. You know, you play video games. It sounds like, Tom, do you play video games as well? I don't actually at no all. video games. My question is, is that like, what do you guys do when you step away from music to chill out, to get inspired, to, to enjoy life? You know, like what else do you do besides music? Well, I go and meet up with my friends. I like walking quite a lot. You seem like a walker. Fitness yeah. and going to the gym, that sort of thing. I enjoy. I'm getting into cooking quite a bit. Had a bit of a disastrous first year in uni. Oh, everything was terrible in our kitchen. <laughs> we had 19 people in one flat. <laughs> I'm fairly sure I was moldy by the end of that. Every disease that you could imagine. Don't even get get me started the rest of the interview could could be stories from my kitchen so i mean so you play video games lucas but what else do you do go hang out with friends i yeah, just like watch movies series hang out with my girlfriend that's like 50 percent of what i do when i'm not yes, doing like work or music the reason why is because you know i am a huge proponent as it sounds like you guys are as well i'm a huge proponent of like taking in the beauty of the world and the artistic things of the world and the things that inspire you on a regular basis and not just focusing on one thing at one time or, or for an extended period of time again i mentioned i can produce 
these for 16 hours, but I love hiking. There's three windows right there. And outside of those are huge, gigantic red mountains. So I love getting outside. I love getting into nature. I also love watching sci-fi movies or sci-fi TV shows. I'm not a big, uh, what's it called? I don't, I don't really play video games, but I found when I do those things, dude, I come back to the computer way more inspired because all of a sudden, you know, like maybe I saw something in the sci-fi movie and it intrigued me. And I was like, what would that sound like? Or maybe I heard a sound and it's like, what's my version of that sound? It sounds like you guys feel the same way, right? Yeah, especially with movies. Cause I love like, like the Transformers movies. I've loved them since Ooh. the first one came out. Like what? the stories are absolute crap, but like the visuals and the sound is just, oh, it's so good. That Superman movie, was it called? Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Oh, There's this uh, section where they're like terraforming the earth uh -huh. and there's this like Reese sound sort of thing <laughs> when it's like carrying everything up and just go <laughs> and I was like oh yeah <laughs> I would say that I think that going out and experiencing different forms of art is something which is really overlooked by not just musicians, but everyone. Even stuff that seems either silly or small scale, it can really inspire you. Like I've, there's, there's an art gallery of like modern stuff nearby where I live and I've been there for a couple of weird installation art and stuff and they've got like a small box to work with basically in terms of space but they can make some really inspiring stuff with basically nothing you don't really know what you're you're putting yourself in for so I think going out and doing stuff that makes you a bit uncomfortable that's a bit strange is is a really good way of getting inspiration in music that is so cool and I'm so I'm so glad you brought that up because this reminded me every Everything what you guys were saying when you were talking about Transformers and when you were talking about art. Have you guys ever watched Planet Earth? Yeah. Have you watched Planet Earth 2? Yeah. I watched that with my wife the other day. We watched like all the episodes in a row because it was just so inspiring and horrifying. Just watching that and like getting those images stuck in my head of like what's out in the natural world. Oh my freaking gosh. Like this is freaking amazing. What You guys appreciate this because I applied it to music production. Like the entire time I was watching this, I was like, how can I apply what's what's going on here to music production? Yeah, there's, there's a thought relating to that I've always had, which I think is amazing. It's, it's that that works on such a small scale. Like you're at work walking in you know say in the park or something or you're, you're going to your job and you see a pigeon in the road or some small bird or something they they're still out there somewhere in the world like right now they're up on a branch they're going to sleep they're just doing what they do in their life and at, at the same time there's all of these people the planet is covered in that are all doing something and some yeah, of them exactly. some of them like right now the people who you talk to every day who you produce the front seat are on the other side of a spinning ball and they're they're working on tunes as well yeah, and exactly. it's, it's such a, a strange thing to to think about that everyone that you speak to unless they've, they've actually died or something they're still there and they're still just living their own life it's like when you're when you're on a like a plane and you're just about to land and you see like all these cars turn on the road it's yeah. like Every one of those belongs to someone. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. But it's like me, I've got 23 years that I've lived through different experiences, good, bad, stuff like that. Like in every car, there's at least like one or two people who's like, there's, let's say like 18, like 70 years of stories there as well in that car. Experience. Yeah. That's a very bad way of wording it, but no, you no, get no, one people think. But you can keep going with that. There's children being born now who will grow up knowing mm. Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites is an album that was released before they were born. Imagine that being like the standard for what you can do with music and not being there to like experience the, like, the revolution yeah. that that what EP will, started. What, what will they experience as well? What, yeah, what will be the revolution like following that? What will be like, how can you do this with sound? 
around. There's actually, there's there's a YouTube channel. It's called The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. Have you ever heard of that? I don't I think, think I have. So, yeah. Do you guys want to trip out? It's it's really, really good. So they, they basically make up words for really deep feelings like what we're talking about right now. So they made up a word when you actually come and realize that there's other people out there doing their own thing completely independent from you and they're going to go on and live their lives without you. What I think is, is amazing about music is that you're fighting against that in a way because you're bringing all of those people who would otherwise not know you and they wouldn't know each other into one place they've got something in common which is that they've heard your stuff. So you're kind of fighting to, to reduce that. Yeah, speaking of that, like at this point, I think for the both of us, uh, like at this very moment, there is someone listening to one of our tracks. Probably, yeah. yeah. It's probably to discover. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that thought to me is very interesting because it's not like I'm thinking about that when I'm making a track. It's, I'm just like, oh, this bass is cool. I'm going to put that under that snare and have that kick just, and that little break beat. And I'm just, just like putting this little, putting this little puzzle together. Right the now, there might thing. be a little pothead entering. <laughs> <some> <laughs> right. It's amazing to me that somebody appreciates what I've done that much, that they're listening yeah. to it on their free time because they want it, because they like it. I mean, that's that feeling is amazing. So why why is it amazing? Let's, let's keep going deeper. Why, why do you feel like it's amazing? I think it's because it sort of proves to me that what I'm doing is worth doing yeah. because somebody like appreciates it and think that, that it's good, that it's a positive addition to the world, sort of. Yeah. A contribution, if you will. To discover is definitely a positive contribution to the world. <laughs> Shout out to Henry. <laughs> Shout out to Henry, yeah. Building on that, I did touch on that during the, the In the in the Door episode on To Discover, which I was something that I've been thinking about for a while, is that every time someone listens to To Discover and every time they play it, there's a part of that song which actually happens in the real world, which is Tom and Henry talking to each other. And yeah. every time someone listens to that, they're hearing the product of that. And what, what's weird for me when you, when you think about it literally in terms of the, the actual sounds is that two people sat and they made noises with their mouths and that noise is being recreated on huge sound systems in front yeah. of in front of people who are dancing to it and you just like you never know i think when something that you're saying is gonna is gonna turn into something like that it's a bit like a meme or something yeah like what's amazing for me is like henry got a bit of homework and it turned into this track that's been played out on huge sound systems in front of yeah. thousands of people what like, if he didn't amazing. yeah what if he didn't get that homework what if he didn't ask tom to help him record it yeah henry his teacher shout out because that track has been a very big step in our careers as well big shout out to henry's teacher speaking of that did you guys listen to that that super slow down version of oh i missed that, that. i will check that out later that was so good dude was it not like what nightmares are made of though creepy i showed my wife she's like no 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 no, no. <laughs> slowly shuts my laptop no 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 it's amazing because there was this track that I've been listening to for like loads of times. It's like one of my favorite tracks ever. It's uh, Elaine's remix of Slow Burn by uh, Crywolf. And I've been listening to that track for ages. It's just really, it just really resonates with me. And I was on Twitter and I just hit uh, Elaine up like this track. It's one of my favorites ever. And he hit me back like, what are you serious? That track was inspired by you. What? My, brain, my brain just... <laughs> the fact that I got into music and I'm making music has led to the creation of my favorite track without me like actually yeah. doing anything. Dude, you're like your own grandfather kind of a thing. I've done myself a favor just by doing music. Like that's yeah. one of my most favorite tracks ever. I've never heard something like that. That is, that is pretty mad, actually. 
I mean, on the flip side, from an outside perspective, that must be pretty cool for him too. He's yeah. made a track inspired by someone, and that someone is like, their favorite track. track. Is one of his Naturally. favorites. Yeah. Backtracking. So before I forget this this thought, right? So it's, it's it's a little bit different than what we were talking about. But so back when I was talking about Planet Earth on Planet Earth, and this kind of goes along with what we were talking about way in the beginning. So on there, you know, on Planet Earth, this was on both Planet Earth one and two. It shows these animals, these bugs, whatever they are, right, existing, living in like these. It looks like uninhabitable situations. Situations. The one that freaking got me was like these little deer looking things that live on a cliff. They like they legit live on a cliff and this shows that this shows them like running around and whatever and like jumping and like literally inches away from a sure death and to get water they have to climb down things like this but this is like what they were born to do. And then the next one was the other one that really got me was like this bat that eats only a certain type of scorpion and it has to eat like four a night in order to survive. So like those type of things is like what blows me away because we have things in nature right now now that only exist and have always existed, at least in their lifespan, because of a certain niche, but also because they have so many disadvantages towards them, but they're still doing it. They don't know any different. If the freaking deer can live on a cliff and survive and have children and get water and food and the freaking bat can find at least four I can live on a cliff as well. Yeah, I can do it. <laughs> but if they can do that, then why can't we exist in a music industry that's actually comparatively a lot easier than finding four scorpions a night and eating them while they're stabbing you in the face? So it's really inspiring because it's like, they don't have a perfect condition because a lot of the time I look at a lot of producers or I look at other people in business or whatever and I see they're, they're making money or they have the fancy cars or they're getting, you know, they're playing main stage or whatever right? Whatever looks enticing at the time. But without really thinking about it, I'm like, man, they had to have like just a lucky situation. They had to have like really good things going on. You know, instantly, I don't think that they worked hard and they had tribulation and they worked through it. Instantly, I'm like, they had the upper hand and that's why they're at where they are. And that's not true. That's, I can almost guarantee like that's very, 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 very rare. Sorry, I just looked at, I still, I have another screen up right here and I just, I just barely caught an image of the other metal death, whatever things on here. And I'm like, this is atrocious. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and close that down so that you have my full attention. Okay. A beautiful life, at least from the eye understanding, is a combination of struggle and happiness, but not just struggle, but like overcoming struggle and becoming who you want to be. You know, the, the literally the best analogy that was ever given to me was the analogy of making music on a piano. You can make music on just white keys, but it's boring after a while. And so you can you can translate that to, you know, just being happy all the time or, you, you know, what you consider happy all the time. But it's when you start throwing in the black keys as well, then you can start creating something beautiful because you're all of a sudden you're entering this whole other dimension. And it's the same with with enduring pain or overcoming pain or overcoming struggles or anything like that. It starts to create this beautiful melody of life. I, Definitely, I think, yeah. I think everyone's experienced that a bit as well, because some a lot of the time I see all kinds of things about people saying how to avoid being sad. And what they're really talking about is not like medically sad. They're talking about a short spell of not feeling great. But I think sometimes that's, that's something you've got to experience and it can lead to, to much better things by, by experiencing it, maybe even enjoying it, just knowing what it feels like and as move on from that. And I think like, again, it's the same with, with producing music. Like for me, I can't feel inspired all the time and I wouldn't want to because 
because without the, the dead patches, you don't know what you're enjoying. It's sort of like that with relationships as well. Like me and my girlfriend, we've had we've had a few tough spots. Like it, it hasn't been like perfect all the time, but our relationship wouldn't be near what it is now if we didn't have those tough spots. Because now we like we're on a wholly different level of trust and knowing each other. In life, I think you need to be sad to realize like you need to have bad things happen to to be able to be content with the things that you're given otherwise. Because that sort of sets the threshold. If you were like on cloud nine the entire time, you'd still want to get to like cloud ten instead. I was gonna say that. <laughs> Because I think you're able to like learn to appreciate stuff more if bad things happen as well. I agree, man. It's, it's just a different kind of beauty. To say that being happy is the only type of beauty that you, is worthwhile in the world, that's false. Some of the most beautiful times in my life, I wasn't necessarily happy, but I was just like, I was in a state of awe. Doing what I do within the DAW and behind the DAW, I absolutely like love. To me, every time I'm able to do something like this, talk to people from across the world about similar things that I enjoy, it's like I have this such deep respect for it. And it's just like, it's, it's almost like miraculous to me because I grew up in a town of 244 people who didn't even know how to spell electronic music. And so, <laughs> so to be able to do this, to be able to talk to you guys, to foster relationships with people that I've listened to for years, this is like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Because normally having having had that upbringing, it makes you appreciate that so much more. Yeah. Because that's what I'm saying. It's like, lower, it's like lowering the threshold for what makes you happy, sort of. When you feel it like that, it sounds so much. <laughs> yeah, it sounds a bit depressing, but I mean... You know what I mean. You learn to appreciate that much more because you know that it can be very, very much worse. Gentlemen, uh, I this... think there's, there's one, one other thing about like um, connectivity in music, I guess, that, that I was I found quite interesting that that's related to this. It, it, going back to like when when you find or when you, when you think about how someone is out there right now and they're just existing, like you can you can apply that to music and you think how your favorite musicians they are just doing right now. They're just like, yeah filing taxes, buying foods, making music, maybe they're just there. Mm. But like one day through what you're doing, you you might cross paths with them. Like you'll end up, they'll know of you, you'll know of them. And mm. that might not be how it is right now, but eventually like you might meet these people. It's, it's weird to think that it's the same person that is out there now. Uh, speaking of that, it's like it's the same like <laughs> SoundCloud followers. I mean, we've got between like eight and a half thousand and seven thousand people yeah. like I wonder how many of them we're going to meet, like actually meet in person in the future. Well, eight and a half thousand people separately clicked an orange button. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I wonder how many of them are like, you're going to see them at shows. Yeah, where are they? It's a bit they? sad because you won't be able to say, oh, that's a full number at 6,000. <laughs> that's user 0649. <laughs> Things like these are so hard to explain because it's so much more of a feeling than it is yeah. something you can explain. So let's say that there is a higher power. Call him God, call him Allah, call him big cloud, call him whatever you want. Person, the thing, the entity that created the earth and that created you. Let's say that there is this entity, all right? For all intents and purposes, we'll call him God. He's the creator of all reality. Let's say that you get to sit down and you get to speak with God and you get to ask him one question. That's it, one. And you know that he is going to answer that question sincerely. I want to know this one question more than anything. And I know that this is the chance for me to completely figure it out and understand it perfectly. What is that one question from both? Oh, that's such a tough one. Because like, like the standard thing to say is like, oh, what's the meaning of life? Yeah. Personally, I don't really need to know because I've found my meaning in mm. life. Uh, I guess I want him to explain infinity to me in a way that I can wrap my mind around. Like, oh my how can the universe be infinite? <laughs> 
do you know that there's like different types of of infinity? Yeah. Oh, come on. there is. This is like the oh man, I can't remember. It was some theorist or philosopher who talked about this. He's like, there's technically two different types of infinity, or there can be one infinity that's bigger than another. Like it's, I think his name was Cantor. I think that was his last name. Go look it up. It's freaking insane. But anyways, I see. Okay. So you're, what you want to know is like, please explain to me infinity because I can't wrap my mind around it. Uh, I mean, not necessarily that because I've got, got a bit off guard okay. there, but I mean, something like that because otherwise, I mean, you could be like, oh, why is there starvation in Africa and blah, 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 blah. But there's like, there's so many of those questions. Uh, yeah. Like, which that was sort of what I was going to ask, which is that how is it, I don't, I don't know if this is too accusatory <laughs> as a question, but how how is it fair that like mm. where you where you were born is allowed to affect your chances at life like how how can that morally just just be allowed if you could do something about it another question which is i think a bit more hopeful is you know do we make it if we if we look after the sun blows up and all of that happens uh, are there I still are there still humans do we do we escape the solar system cool no period <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got three questions the one which is infinity how is it even possible you know if there is such a being as a god that you know people are born into situations that are less than satisfactory or, or that, that are really really hard that could affect them for the rest of their life and then the third question that you asked did we make it so the one with explaining infinity so here's a follow-up question to that how do you think that he would explain that to you like what do you think he would say the thing is, like, I would want to ask something that human minds cannot grasp, sort of. Yeah. So it's not necessarily about infinity in itself, or like something that we haven't been able to, like, or pretty much won't be able to answer. Because you've got that opportunity. Because because if you ask him why there are starving children in Africa and people, let's say, like, uh, professional killers, mm -hmm. like, we're making loads of money, like, why is there that sort of balance of evil people and good oh, people because no matter what he says it's still going to be like that probably like will knowing that help it might ease your mind because you'll be like oh it's because you get reincarnated as a starting oh, okay. child because you've got such a chance to like get something answered that you probably won't find out otherwise so nice. it might as well be something that you can gain something from so the question that you had, and I, well, both of you had, right? Which is like, if God exists and he is what most of us define as like a just God, you know, moral God, how is it that these types of things happen in the world? What do you think the answer is? There's so many avenues you could yeah, go down, yeah. depending on your worldview. My personal assumption is that there, there isn't a higher power, but mm. that obviously doesn't affect what other people have sure, to think. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I think probably it is just a factor of like the planet that we live on and that we're not at a stage where we yeah. can all, or we, we are all naturally born to mm -hmm. the same opportunities, but it is something that everyone has to, to work towards. Yeah, because like me personally, I just believe that it's all just random chance. Like everything is just, it just yeah. is. It isn't for a reason. It just is. Mm. Well, I think like if, yeah, if you were like asking God that sort of question, if there was a God, mm -hmm. which is the premise of this question, right, right, right. like what would a world without suffering or anything work? I mean, it sort of goes back to that thing we were saying, yeah. that contrast, which is a bit of a heartless thing to say when we're considering like sure, sure, starving sure. because of, is it possible to have a world without any bad things going on? It is, it is impossible really for us to actually properly discuss this having, I agree. you know not experienced that and it's it's also not all that fair to pass judgment on it no experience of it ourselves a anything anything like that is a bit kind of i guess re reducing yeah. the problem yeah 
then the final the final question that you asked for so do we make it so what do you think what what do you think because that's because we're about what 4.5 billion years away from the, the sun blowing up 4.5 billion years is a really unimaginably long time yeah. <laughs> and when you think about how long like the planet has been around and how long everything's been developing yeah i think there's there's a lot of intelligent people but from what i know about physics is at the moment it's very unlikely <laughs> that will make it yeah it's it's difficult but we could do yeah. i can I see mean, it. i can i can see it happening yeah. but what annoys me is that all at the wrong time to actually know yeah yeah well, maybe mm-hmm. not if we make it to mars i'll be happy yeah <laughs> yeah i mean like if the human race could like learn to travel through wormholes and all that stuff yeah don't quote me on any of this because i'm probably going to see lots of things that totally i wrong. will quote you <laughs> mercilessly <laughs> but i mean like yeah if we could learn to travel through wormholes to like get to different ends of the universe in like a very short time then yes i'd say we could probably survive that because we could just be like oh this sun's blowing up okay i'll just travel to that galaxy far 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 yeah, away. yeah. what really worries me though is that the the scale of things it is really big the, yes. the whole universe and like this is the one place that we have adapted for millions of years to live on and we're planning on going to other ones and none of them look very good <laughs> yeah they, they look nice but none of them look habitable well imagine like those are very far away but there are millions and millions and millions more of those like even further away it's just like that distance is so mind-blowing like i can just look out my window and i'll see like two kilometers which is like a fraction of the earth and then the earth isn't even a fraction of the rest of the universe those are really really good answers guys so if I may, can I say my opinion on them and what I think? Yeah, sure. First question, how to define infinity or how, how to grasp something that's ungraspable. Let's, let's focus on infinity, right? So you know, I, I took a math 2030 class and we talked about infinity extensively and the fourth dimension and all kinds of stuff. And it's really, 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 really amazing. I think the reason why we personally can't grasp the concept of infinity is because from the beginning of our lives to the end of our lives, we are constantly taught about things that start in the end. You go to school, you start school, and then you end school. You wake up, and then you go to sleep. You, the day starts, the day ends. You eat, then you don't eat. You, you, you know what I mean? People live, and they die. You know, like from beginning to end, we, we do that. And so I think there's some kind of subconscious in there that's like that can't break away from that to understand something that's infinite, that just keeps going. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Imagine oh. just being able to like hit that switch and just be like, off. And your mind just goes, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would argue that is that is possible. And it doesn't need, you know, loads of drugs or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, you went from at one point in your life not knowing anything at all mm. about numbers or about any mathematical concept and not even knowing how to speak. And you learned those things with very little help. And those things are now concepts that you know for life. And compared to that, I think the concept of those things not having an end is a lot smaller. And it is mm. it is something that you can kind of accept without understanding. And that's like the best thing about the human brain is that yeah. you can you can't accept that you don't understand <laughs> things, but have something there instead almost. Yeah. Mm. It's sort of the same, like you said, with like having a sort of a built-in limit to understand like infinity because you've been indoctrinated to think of Think, think of things with like starts and ends. Yeah. It's the same with language, because when you're born, you're, you're basically able to learn whichever language very, very easily. The better you get at a language, the I think it's sort of the amount of 
things that you're able to pronounce, the amount of syllables or whatever, it rapidly decreases. No, I completely agree. Because you get indoctrinated to like just use these things that you use in the language yeah, that you learn. Hold on one second. What's up, Max? What's up, Ryan? I'm just in a podcast right now. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you, too, man. <laughs> Stay marks. They say hi. You <laughs> know. So yeah, is that, that was just a parallel. And speaking of that, like fourth dimension stuff and that, that stuff is amazing. I watched a video on that. Yeah, it's sort of like, because I think the, what I took away from that was like a fourth dimension being would be able to see us like we see two dimensional things. Yep. And that was when I was like, yeah, because Holy. like you've got, you've got the point, which is like just the first dimension. Right. Which is just a, but then you've got the line, which is the second. And then the third is the depth. And then the fourth one is the time, which for a long time was like, how could that be a dimension? Because the others are just like spatial things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, then when they said like, they see us the way that we see yeah. two dimensional things. It was like, ah, ah, yeah. I see. They see the timeline like constantly. Exactly. Well, that, on, on my course, uni, to, uh, absolute fried brain. <laughs> This is what behind the door was designed for, guys. This is <laughs> <laughs> sort of ties in with the infinity thing as well, yeah. because if they if time is a dimension that they're able to see, they sh should be able to see like all of it. Like if yeah. a fourth dimension being is observing me, it should be able to see all of me from when I was born to when I'm dead already, and beyond that as well. Like everything else, that's not me. <laughs> you should be able to see an entire timeline. A two-dimensional being can only see like an infinitely small lines going on at the same time while well, we can see the entire 2d image that should mean that the fourth dimensional being should see the entire time yeah. which is also like <laughs> how is that even possible taking that to the next question right so th the question that you th that you brought up tom is a question that has kept me up at night it is it, and you're right any answer that we can come up with that we can muster that i think that anyone can muster would only partially does that make sense? It's, I don't feel like any of us are qualified to answer the question of if God is this, you know, moral being, why does he let things like this happen? You know, if he's watching over the earth or supposed to be protecting us or whatever, why, why does these kind of things happen? Right. I would like to attempt to try and at least talk about one dimension of it. I mean, is that okay? Yeah. As long as it's not full. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it to one dimension. So from my understanding of this and the, the, the understanding that I have of this is going to come from primarily Western civilization theology, right? So it's that God is this being who loves you or that is your father or is a protector of you, watches over the world kind of thing, right? So that's where this is coming from because, again, we can go into like Hinduism and all types of other things, which is going to take us on a whole different path. Sticking with the concept of that, I think from my understanding of it, the reason why he would allow that, because you're right, there are some really messed up things going. You messed, you mentioned, you know, no, there's children in Africa dying and suffering and starving, as well as like a plethora of other things that's happening in every country, every city, every place. You know, there's always something, you know, the, a child that just wants to be loved, but has drug addicted parents or someone who doesn't have enough food to or enough money to buy food and then gets robbed and has nothing. You know, like there's a lot of messed up things happening. So if that's true, how could the fact that these things are happening and that there is also, you know, a God that's watching over us, how can these two exist? How can these two thought processes processes exist from my understanding you know at least from what i've understood from studying western religion which i've done extensively is that basically it's this is that we were basically sent here to make our own decisions to see what we would do we were sent here in according to that theology god sent us here to wipe the slate clean to see if we would come unto him that's that's kind of the whole theory behind that religion i have my personal beliefs and i'm not trying to say one thing is true or anything right now i'm just saying that's the theory so that if that's the case then he needs to make the playing field basically 
untainted as possible. He needs to make it. So you guys have to make your own decisions and you have to make the decisions based off your predecessors. I'm here to help out the, the best that I can, but we can't cheat. Okay. It's, it's making sense, but I, I always had a problem with that, which I felt is that it kind of treats people's lives like a game. And yeah. I always think that's vaguely disrespectful to, mm. to those people. I see and, what you're saying. And what they're going through. I'm sure, I'm sure there are that there are other explanations or there's there's versions of that which take that into account. But I've always thought there's this kind of undertone which is a bit unfair on on those people. You no, know, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that it's more like a more of like a science experiment rather than a loving father trying to help his kids come back home. I see what you're saying. No, that makes sense. I mean, really the only explanation that I have to that then, you know, like this is a science experiment, you know, it sounds more like a science experiment and, and a game than, than like a loving father trying to help his children. Really the only thing I have to say to that, according to my religious studies, if he really is father, and he really does love you and he really does is trying to make you come or trying to help you come back. I think no one gets hurt as much as he does when his children do these type of things or that someone doesn't make it back. And so I don't think it's necessarily he sees it as a game or a science experiment. It's just something, you know, again, this is that we're, we're speculating a lot. We're we're stabbing in the dark, in the dark, in the dark of the dark. But if he you know, if he really does love us and he really does want us to get us back to him, that for some reason, the way that things are right now is not a game, it's not a science experiment, it's the purest way possible that things can happen while still untainting the, the ground, the, or like untainting what's going on here. I mean, again, like I said, this, you know, even with all these years that I've studied religion, that's still, that's still a one-dimensional answer. That's so, you know, to, compared to what the answer probably is, that's, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's fallen short, but I mean, that's, that's kind of the best that I've come up with. But imagine if like everything that's going on on earth, if it's some sort of, well, simplified explanation being, if it is some sort of experiment, imagine if the reason is something even more important than like the most important thing that we can think of, like, yeah. like beyond our... Taken into the concept of, of infinity, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's the concept that like we can't wrap our minds around it. So maybe the answer to this question is something we can't wrap our mind around. It. Yeah, because like as humans, like the most important thing, yeah, the best, most important thing that we can do is save lives, basically. Keep yeah. people yeah. alive. Like, what so, if yeah, I guess. the reason that people are like dying at two years old of starving is something even, as I mean, like infinitely more important than saving people's lives or keeping people alive. Yeah. Because I mean, that, that I can think of right now, saving people's lives is like the most important thing that exists. Yeah. But what if the reason for all the suffering might be something even more? We think of the, if saving a person's life is the most important thing, then consequently, on the opposite side, the worst thing that can happen is someone dying or we letting some, someone die. But what if that's not true? What if dying or letting someone die isn't the worst thing that could happen? It's like, cause like it's the whole thing of seeing something more important than saving a life. But I'm saying, but what if there's a possibility that there's something that we can't understand how <laughs> bloody important? We as philosophers, man, I mean, that's kind of what we're doing right now is like, we're acting as philosophers, right? We're philosophizing. 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 Yeah, we're, we're thinking of philosophy. So at this point, that's what we have to do. We have to be open to all of the avenues, right? And so you're right. Maybe there is that avenue where death isn't the worst thing. Maybe maybe it's a bigger picture. Yeah, that's good. That's I think as well is that even if you, whether or not you know what you're talking about or have, have put much thought into it, it, I think it is really important to, to actually think of this sort of thing and discuss it. Because you could live your whole life just not even considering like other people people in the world and not even considering like what why you're here 
what you're doing, that kind of thing. It's, I think it's very easy for people to just be completely closed off to that. And, and in a lot of cases, it's not even their, their fault at all. Yeah. But I think if you if you can reach people and make them more thoughtful of that kind of thing, yeah, it's good. Now to wrap this up, final thing that you were, that you were talking about, right? What's going to happen to the earth? Here's my personal opinion. You, you guys tell me what you think. In the last 20 years, 30 years, technology has shot through the roof and the advancement of technology has shot through the roof. And that's just 20 to 30 years. We're talking about billions of years in the future. And so I feel like at that point, if we're compounding and we're just like growing exponentially in technology, I kind of feel like at 4 billion years, personally, I kind of feel like we'd be long gone at that point. Basically at that point, you're selling out tickets to, to watch from another planet to watch the earth blow up. It's because, you know, maybe at that point, who who's to say that we can't just, you know, pull out our phones if we have phones at that point and just like break a hole into the space-time continuum and hop over to earth number 36. Who's to say otherwise? Because a hundred years ago, Ago, a microwave oven was about the same possibility as what we were talking about right now. If we keep growing the way that we're going, I don't know how we, we still have to deal with that. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. All right, gentlemen, this has been a good conversation. I got one final question and it's quick, it's easy. It's a lot less brain calories than what we spent here, but did you guys have a good time? Oh yeah. Yes. Very fun. Yeah. Who, who else would you like to see come on the show to be able to pick their brain like this? Hmm. We, have a, we have a think. You can have a think. You can have two things if you want. A lifetime supply of things. But that's not all. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> An infinite supply. I think Mr. Bill, because he's good at like changing perspective on things and like yeah. like really question things. Yeah, I think I think that's a good that's, that's a good shout actually. I will I will also vote for Bill. Thank you for tuning in to Behind the Daw. Join us next week. Yeah. See you later.